Please be seated. And as you do, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. A couple weeks ago, I had a dream where I was preaching, and I was actually the third preacher in a series of preachers. Some of you have work-related nightmares. This was one of those. Uh, So I was the third preacher, and we were coming up on the top of the hour, which was when we were supposed to finish, and I had five minutes. And so I said, well, I've got five minutes, so I'm just going to give you one point to take away and to take home. And when I said that, 90% of the people gathered got up to leave. And so I thought, well, what do I say? I mean, they're, they're leaving right now. And so I paused and I said, believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And if you don't, you'll go to hell. That was it. That was my sermon. And I woke up. I mean, this is actually true. This really happened. I woke up. Went, wow. So today I feel a little bit like that in that I am, uh, have a, a very brief period of time Uh, to cover what is uh, the most complicated of the Ten Commandments to do uh, justice to in terms of the the, the biblical language in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, looking at the historical development and all sorts of things. But we're going to have an overview today of the Fourth Commandment. And it's in the context, again, of this covenant relationship that God has established with the Israelites. He's, he's come to them and, and he's, he's said to them, I am the God who has borne you up on eagles' wings. I brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea. We defeated the, I defeated the enemy and your enemies and I've fed you and I've given you uh, food and I've given you water to drink and I've provided for you and now We find ourselves here, I'm on Mount Sinai, you're at the foot of Mount Sinai, we're entering into a covenant, and these are the covenant stipulations. I'm asking you as my people to to love me as I have loved you uh, through obedience and following these Ten Commandments. Now we are, as the people of God, have been redeemed like the Israelites of old through uh, redeemed from sin and death. And we look forward to a promised land. We've sung of it today. Uh, We look forward to an ultimate promised land where we will be uh, with the Lord forever. Uh, He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Uh, We uh, look forward to a a new creation. And so we're, we're looking forward to that time. And like the Israelites, we're in the wilderness and we're under the new covenant. And yet, uh, though we are no longer under law, Uh, The moral law of God still has reference and application for us today. We no longer uh, follow the ceremonial law, the sacrificial laws, for instance, the food laws. Uh, Just this week, I was watching a television show, and the person said, well, you Christians, don't eat, uh, you Christians go ahead and eat shrimp. And uh, so why should you have um, uh, scruples with sexual immorality? Right? I hear this all the time. Uh, Well, I hope if you're a junior high student here listening to me today that you could respond to these adults and say that in the new covenant, Jesus Christ has done away with any application of the old dietary laws 
any of the ceremonial laws. And so there are laws that are no longer, longer applicable. There are laws that are civil laws that we can learn principles from. And then there are moral laws. And Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of them in the sense that he obeyed them perfectly. And we're no longer under law. And yet Paul says, now as believers who have the spirit in greater power and presence, we uphold the law. And so that includes the fourth commandment that we're going to be looking at today, the Sabbath day. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20, and uh, we'll start with verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. And so the Sabbath day is different. It's a different day. What, is it, what does holiness mean? Uh, we think of moral holiness, you know, holier than now. But holiness is about be, being separated and being consecrated for a particular purpose. Uh, growing up, we had, I sort of kind of had this, and some of you can relate to this. I don't think, maybe some of you have it. You can tell me afterwards. A holy room in your house. That is, it's set apart for a purpose. It was our living room. Uh, the kids were not to go in the living room. The kids were not to bring their toys in the living room. The living room was set apart for guests. When guests came in, it was the one room of the house that looked good. Everything else was in shambles, right? But, that, but there was one room that was set apart. Some of you are nodding your heads. Um, that's, in a secular way, holiness. So God set apart as holy the Sabbath day. Why did he do that? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Sabbath is a Sabbath to the Lord. It is his day. He sanctified the day. He made it holy. He made it special. He made it set apart from all the other days. Last week, Heath spoke of the third commandment and not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. That God's name positively is to be hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. The old way of saying to make holy, to make special. We, we love God. God is our God, one true God. You know, commandments one and two. Have no other gods before me. I'm it. I love you. You love me. There's no better, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The highest name. We lift up the name of the Lord and we do not take his name in vain. And the Lord himself has designated a day to be hallowed as well. The Sabbath day. So how do we remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Six days, this is verse 9, you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And so the first way we learn that we hallow or we make holy, hold us holy to the Lord that day is by ceasing. Uh, as the Lord ceased to work on that day, we cease to work on that day, except for the duties of necessity and mercy. We find in the New Testament, Jesus Christ uh, talked about and reaffirmed the fact that there are 
there are things that are necessities like um, pulling a, an ox out of the ditch. You know, your, your tire blows on the highway. You change that tire. Um, uh, I don't see her. I think she's out of town today, but Bobby Scarrett um, from time to time will get up in the middle of this gathering. Um, she's a doctor. Somebody's going to call her. She's not going to say, sorry, I know you have a 104 fever. Tough beans. It is the Sabbath day. It is the day of rest. Don't bother me. Call me tomorrow. Um, some of you are uh, in service in the, in the military or work in some capacity for the military. It would be nice if uh, those that were opposed to the United States would take Sunday off, but uh, they don't do that. And so we have necessity to uh, protect our country uh, on uh, seven days of the week. And so there are necessities like that and there are acts of mercy. Uh, Jesus himself healed on the Lord's day. Uh, there are, in fact, um, uh, I was thinking of a commercial that was on television a couple years ago. It was a, a guy, he was a 30-year-old, 30-something guy, and he's obviously got um, congestion, and he's sick like some of you are that's uh, going around. And um, he opens the door, and he looks, and he says, hey, I'm just, I'm not feeling well. I've got I to gotta take a, a sick day. And then the camera pans to the back of the room, and there's a crib with a little kid looking up there, right? You know, it's dad. And then the, the line is, if you're a parent, you can't take, uh, you can't take a, a day off, right? And that's true. And some of you today, moms and dads, but particularly mom, if you're a homemaker, you know, it was work getting your kids here, right? I get an amen? It was work getting your kids to church on Sunday, the day of rest. And they're are things that we have to do that are of necessity. But we are called to cease from all work on Sunday except for duties of necessity and mercy. Uh, when I was traveling across the country, the year after I got out of college, I traveled, I would, I would pick a place on the map and I would go there for six weeks and I'd find a job, I'd find a church, I'd find a place to live and then Six weeks after that, I'd find another place to live, and I'd, I'd do the same thing. And I determined early on that there, I would do two things. One is I would not lie uh, about the length of time that I was going to be in town uh, to my prospective employer. And the other was that I was going to take uh, the Lord's Day, Sunday, off and make that a prerequisite. Now, this was near the end of the uh, recession, 1982. And so it was a step of faith, and what I found was the Lord provided and gave me uh, work uh, that enabled me to take Sunday off. I would say to my employer, I want Sunday off. I mean, if there's an emergency and the pipes burst in the building and you need somebody to come in and help clean up, by all means, I'll be glad to do that, but uh, I need Sunday off. And the Lord honored that. And so I would encourage some of you and probably more people that aren't actually here today, uh, if, you're, if you're working on Sunday, uh, to pray about that and to seek a job where you can get uh, the entire day off as a day of rest from your work. Students, I would encourage you not to study on Sunday. That is your work. Now, uh, perhaps students are like me. When I was in college, I determined that I was not going to work on the Lord's Day by studying. It was a principle 
I was not going to work, but really, for me, it was a matter of, was I going to actually study Monday through Saturday? Uh, it wasn't a super sacrifice for me not to study on Sunday. But uh, I joke somewhat because Sunday became this day that I loved. It, it was a day of refreshment. It was a day of, of uh, setting time aside and, and getting out and maybe bringing my Bible and thinking through the, uh, the, the sermon of the day. And it was just a, a, a wonderful time. What is the Lord's Day? What is the Sabbath day? It, it is, it, it's, not, um, it's not a day of work. And yet it's not simply a day for leisure. Uh, it's not a family day. It's not a day to catch up on all the work you didn't do the rest of the week. It's not a day to watch football for eight hours. Um, it's the Lord's day, right? It's a Sabbath to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Patrick Miller, in his commentary on the Ten Commandments, said there is really a difference that there is There really is a difference between taking a day off and taking a day off and sanctifying it to the Lord. Keeping the Sabbath joins with the blessing at each meal to be the most visible and regular means by which Jews and Christians acknowledge God in the midst of their life. And the Sabbath and the obedience to the fourth commandment is good for you. It's not just God making some rule. Uh, that, you, that you've got to obey, uh, that he lays down to make you miserable, far from it. Because there's also a human focus and a human reason given in Scripture to why we observe the Sabbath day. As Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And in Jesus' day, and even in our day, there are those who would really make the Sabbath... Uh, something in which man seemingly was made for it. Um, In Jesus' day, just one law, for instance, on top of the law was you could not walk more than one-tenth of a mile. Um, In Orthodox communities uh, today, Orthodox Jewish communities, uh, I know of uh, one uh, one prescription is to, uh, to tie a handkerchief to your arm so that you won't have to pull your handkerchief out of your pocket. It's too much work, right? Um, When I was, uh, we were redoing our kitchen uh, in our previous home before we moved here, and I was doing some research on ovens, and I found an oven that you can put your casserole in it, and it'll be a refrigerator, and then it switches over to an oven, and it's a Orthodox Jewish cast oven so that you won't light a fire on the Sabbath day, right? So there's lots of ways that we can make the the Sabbath day this picayune burden, and it's for our good. Um, And so Jesus uh, observed the Sabbath, but not in the legalistic applications of his day. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the other place where we find the Ten Commandments. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Got it? 
That was the second reason in the Old Testament related to Sabbath keeping. God freed you from being a slave. He redeemed you from being a slave. All the way back into Genesis chapter 3, God says, Adam, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. It's not going to be easy. And so God has said to his people, it is not going to be every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you're going to work like a dog, you're going to work like a slave. No, God is gracious. And he says, "My, I'm prescribing to you a mandated day of rest because you're not a slave anymore. You've been freed from the slavery of Egypt. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest you shall rest, Exodus 34, 21. Right? Even in the busiest times of work, in plowing and harvest, God says, trust me. Take a day off. Rest. The Sabbath day is for our good. But it's not just for our good, it's for the good of all humanity. We read this in our text, Exodus 20, 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is in with, within your gates. Insofar as you have the ability to keep your family from working, keep your livestock from working, Keep those visiting you from working. Now, one of the ways I try to apply this in my own setting is from time to time when I'm, uh, when I'm not able to cut my own grass, which I do most of the time. Kids down the street, and I say, come in on any day but Sunday to cut the grass. And, uh, and they usually are able to accommodate that. They don't, uh, they're able to cut the grass for me. So... Um, do not require your family, do not require employees as far as you're able to, to work on the Lord's day. And so we celebrate uh, the Lord's day, the Sabbath, by resting, by ceasing, but we also celebrate it by doing something. Um, I'm sure there's a name for this game. It's a very simple game. I remember playing it as a kid and as a youth where you would you know, you'd have a leader, and the leader would move around the room, and everybody would move around the room, and as soon as the leader stopped, everybody would stop like a statue, and you had to stop as long as that leader stopped. And then when he started, you would start again. And you know, the Sabbath is not like God is uh, working, and then on the seventh day, he stops, and so we just stop for a day. We wait, and then Monday hits, and then we start again. There's something that we're called to do on the Lord's Day. We hallow the Lord's Day. We make it holy. We sanctify it by worshiping the Lord on that day. We find in the book of Revelation a reference to that term that I've been using, the Lord's Day. John says, I was in, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. In other words, in the New Testament, there is a day. It is a day to the Lord. It is the Lord's day, just like the Sabbath is the Sabbath to the Lord. We read in our text today, a day that is set apart as special. 
And in the early church, gathered to worship on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week. We read this in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. We see the example in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, where collections uh, for um, the poor are enjoined, are called on by the Apostle Paul every Sunday on a weekly basis. And so the Lord's Day is a day set aside to worship God. We stop work and we focus on worshiping the Lord. So the Sabbath day isn't simply about ceasing, it's about worshiping. And it's not a Sabbath hour, but it's a Sabbath day. And so we are to prepare our hearts and our minds and even our bodies to make the most of this special day, the Lord's Day. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 21, speaks of this preparation of rearranging our week and preparing for the Lord's Day. The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest from all their, all from rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Just last weekend, we took a trip to Asheville to visit our family. Susan and I enjoyed that time together, and it was important to us. And we, for a couple of weeks, prepared for that. We arranged it. We set things up. Uh, because it was important. And the same thing is true of the Lord's Day. It is, a, it is a special day. It is the special day of the week that we are to prepare for. And so I might encourage you on Sunday, uh, Saturday night, for instance, not to stay up till 1 a.m. watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know, or whatever, uh, till 1 in the morning and then kind of limp into church, Right? Uh, that's one way you can prepare is just by getting enough sleep. Uh, some would say, I'm too busy uh, to honor the Lord's Day or even go to church on Sunday. Um, orient your life around the Lord's Day. It is a day to the Lord that is to be hallowed. Now, I'm not speaking to anybody in particular in this church, but I know I've been in churches where there is a, a, a lot of people in the community that do, um, uh, that do travel teams. Their kids do travel teams. And they will orient their entire schedule, their life, around travel teams. They will go away. They, they won't be around on Sunday because they'll be gone orienting their life uh, to these travel teams. And so what I would encourage you to do in this and other instances like it is to make it Make the Lord's Day a higher priority uh, than these other things in your life that are seemingly important. It is the one day of the week that is the Lord's Day. What are some of the things you can do on the Lord's Day to, to uh, put an emphasis on it? You can, in the afternoon, look over uh, your sermon notes. My wife is one who takes notes. Maybe not, I'm not so good at it, but my wife does. She takes notes of the sermon. And she'll go home and she'll look over those notes. Um, you can uh, read um, a book on Sunday that encourages you in your faith. You can listen to music on Sunday that encourages your faith. 
Um, make it a different day than all other days with reference to the Lord. If you take time to throw the football with your children on Sunday on the Lord's Day, are you sinning? Mm. I'll let you and your conscience dictate as you study Scripture. Again, we're just starting to get into this. Our confession would seem to say so, right? The whole day in the worship of the Lord, deeds of necessity and mercy. Uh, but uh, personally, uh, if one spends some time in refreshment uh, with a little recreation, um, I think it's possible to do that and still hallow the day. Uh, however, that is not the bulk of your day spent in recreation, not worshiping the Lord, uh, not setting the day apart as the Lord's day, uh, not taking advantage of its benefit for you and your family. So spend time praying, memorizing, meditating on scripture. You know, all this is for your good. And it communicates leaders of families that this day is important and the Lord is important. It's a day set aside. Not only is the day important to me, but it's important because the Lord is important to me. Um, now, transition from Saturday as a day to the Lord uh, to Sunday as a day to the Lord. It's, the irony is not lost on me that we are in a Seventh-day Adventist church here, and I'm speaking on Sabbath. I'm speaking on Sunday Sabbath. Uh, and the reason why we can meet here is because they celebrate Saturday Sabbath, right? And um, I have gotten to know Pastor Jay here at the church and Bo, and <clears throat> they are great and fantastic. And we have not had any discussions or debates on the subject, um, but there is a variety of opinion out there. Um, why is it that we celebrate the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, uh, on Sunday? The Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected on Sunday, and that changed everything. In the first day of the week, from the point of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on, became a day of worship that the church gathered on. Um, it was a momentous event in the life of the church and the people of God. And from that point forward, it was the Lord's day. Acts 27, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. There was, a, there, there was the example in the book of Acts of that. I mentioned this before in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. This was the assumed time when the people of God would gather together the Lord's day. It was a day of worship in the early church. Now, some have said, and response to the question is Sunday, the Lord's day, the Christian Sabbath, they would say no. And they uh, oftentimes will refer to Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, that says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. <clears throat> and then Romans 14, 5, 
One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, going back to Colossians chapter 2, 16 and 17, um, and again, without getting in too deeply into the weeds, this is one of these linguistic passages in the Greek um, that we could spend a lot of time on. But there's a, a trio of uh, words here, festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths. And the word in the Greek is sabbaton, which is the plural of Sabbaths. And so there's a debate as to whether this is in reference to the Sabbath day, the weekly Sabbath, or these festival days. So there were very various festival days that were called Sabbaths. The, the Passover, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, um, these were Sabbaths to the Lord. Others um, say that's why he's not referring to the Sabbath day. Others would say that, yes, he is referring to the Sabbath day, but he's referring to the Apostle Paul is referring to it in much the way that he did in the book of Galatians to circumcision as something that is used by the Colossians in a way that is not to be used as, a, as something that will justify them before God in their observance of it. The Apostle Paul says, no, they were a shadow of the things to come. The reality is found in Christ. And keep those words in mind. So when we think of what laws from the Old Testament are applicable today, uh, we think in terms of shadow and reality. So, for instance, the sacrificial system was a shadow of the reality that was going to come. The reality was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Romans 14.5 states about one, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all day are alike. And I believe that is talking about these festival days and other uh, holidays from the Old Testament uh, because of John in Revelation referring to the fact that there is a day. There is the Lord's day. There is a day that is a special day, that is a sanctified day, a day to the Lord. There is one, and it's clearly set apart. And it's hard for us in our culture to sort of wrap our minds around what it was like in Jewish culture prior to that point, following the law, and what this meant, that these other days were no longer necessarily applicable. Uh, just one day was a special day. Um, I happened to go to Greece on a missions trip, and the whole Greek calendar is set up around the religious holidays that come from the Greek church there. And even the word holiday, think about it, holiday is holy day. All right, that's where we get the word. So you have these holy days. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian in Greece. You could be the leader of the local atheist club. It doesn't matter. The whole society is structured around these holy days. For instance, January 6th is Epiphany. March 11th is Clean Monday. April 26th is Good Friday. April 29th is Easter Monday. June 17th is the Holy Spirit Monday. August 15th is Assumption Day. December 25th is Christmas Day. December 26th is the Synaxis of the Mother of God Day. And so you have all of these various holidays. I was there for Clean Monday, which is a day, I think, 30 days before Lent. 
and they have certain traditions set up around it. Everybody goes out to the, to the countryside and they fly kites on Clean Monday and they eat a certain kind of fish roe, uh, sort of like us eating turkey on Thanksgiving, right? So they've developed all these traditions and all these days regulating their calendar. And the Apostle Paul says, no, we're not having these festival days. There's, there's no reason why you have to follow these festival days anymore. It doesn't have to regulate your calendar. Um, for instance, Christmas and Easter. I mean, it's great that we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's great we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if you don't celebrate Christmas, there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to celebrate Christmas. Unless it falls on a Sunday, right? Because that is the one day that we still have that is set apart as special. 52 days a year. In fact, 52 days a year, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is part of why we meet and celebrate because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mentioned that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law. He's fulfilled all the law. He kept it perfectly. He's fulfilled all the sacrificial law, so there are no more sacrifices according to the book of Hebrews. But there is a sense in which the Sabbath has not been fulfilled by Jesus yet. Not fully, not completely. We look forward to this final fulfillment. And we read of that in the book of Hebrews. For if Joshua had given them rest, okay, the author of Hebrews is speaking of Joshua and the children of Israel as they're entering into the promised land, they're entering into the rest, the Sabbath. He says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The author of Hebrews is saying there's a sense in which we as the people of God are like the children of Israel uh, in the wilderness. We're looking forward to that promised land and so we uh, are waiting for the Sabbath rest. That's why sometimes when people go home to be with the Lord, we say they've entered their rest. So until we go home to be with the Lord or Jesus Christ returns, we're looking forward to that rest. And the author of Hebrews says, continue to look forward to that rest. Don't be like the Israelites because they didn't enter their rest. You enter the rest. And part of the reason why we meet on Sunday and why we celebrate the Lord's Day is to look forward and to be encouraged and to benefit as we wait for that day of rest. So the Sabbath day has uh, application all the way back to creation and it has application from Jesus Christ and what he did in saving us and redeeming us. We look to that. And it has application as we look forward to the final rest that we'll experience when we go home to be with the Lord. So, fourth commandment, why do we observe it? Uh, number one, because God at creation set apart a day. Uh, number two, the Ten Commandments are part of God's moral law. It's ten moral laws, not nine moral laws. Third, it's good for us. It's helpful for us. 
It's necessary for us to rest and worship. And fourthly, there continues to be a day set apart in the New Testament, the Lord's Day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your good day that you have set apart for our blessing. We pray that we would delight in it, even as there are some complexities in understanding and obeying and following this law. We pray, Father, that you would um, make this a blessing in our lives, that we would seek to hallow your day just as we hallow your name, and that you would ben- we would benefit greatly as we uh, set aside the Lord's day to rest and to worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, uh, as we anticipate... The sacrament of the Lord's Supper, let us sing two verses of the hymn before the throne of God above. Let's stand together now. <laughs> 